Welcome to Happy to Be Here, your wellness starter kit podcast. My next guest is someone I'm very excited to introduce you to, Stacy Eagle, the founder of Boy Meets Girl and my first real ever boss. I interned for Boy Meets Girl about 12 years ago, which I can honestly say does not feel real to say. We've stayed connected throughout the years, and now Stacy's jumping on the pod to talk through her new book, Embracing the Calm and the Chaos, How to Find Success in Business and Life Through Perseverance, Connection, and Collaboration. Without further ado, I'm Vivian. This is happy to be here, and here's my conversation with Stacy. Right before I hit record, we were already like four minutes into it. It was amazing. <laughs> the most amazing conversation. And... I'm so excited to have Stacey Eagle on. And this is such a special, we were talking about this too ahead of hitting record, but this is such a special conversation for me um, because I interned for you 12 years ago. You were my first internship and you were just a, such a special place to figure out that I loved social media, that there was a world in which that can make sense for me. It was the beginning of it, right? Um, yeah, it was, it like, was the, it was, we were like live tweeting Gossip Girl and like figuring yeah. out how to, yeah, and figuring out how to do that. And so it was the very, very beginning. It was like, tweet my photo, I think it was. Yeah. Like, you have to get a photo, an app to tweet a photo. Mm-hmm. Like, it was the beginning of all that. <laughs> you allowed me as an intern, your team was quite small at that point, or small on like the marketing side of it. Yeah. Um, and I was able to do so many things that just gave me the experience of understanding, like, what was I into? What was I not into? What was my jam? And social media became the crux of, like, all the other internships I did, the the work. I mean, I majored in marketing, but I minored in journalism. And bringing all those things to life together made a lot of sense after that. I also learned that I love fashion from the sidelines, not being in it fully. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so right. I was beautiful. <laughs> You gotta love it, as I say. Exactly. But it was so cool, too, to see you as the founder, creator, designer, head of this entity that was really making a difference in people's lives and and helping people feel like more aligned with their own style. So I am personally just so excited to be on this pod and just have you on here to answer all these questions. And you're on here actually promoting your book, which I also have next to me. Yes. Which also felt so aptly titled. I just feel like, you know, in a lot of my interviews, I talk about interns and employees who, some of them were with me for 10 years, some for five, one for just an internship, but how there's this um, relationship that I have with a lot of Mm -hmm. you guys that we've stayed in touch, but also I've watched you guys, um, or you women, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, really succeed in what you're doing. And so to hear you like, you know, in that, in that, I don't know, was it six months or three months? It was a summer. Three months, four months. It sounded just like four months. Right. Just that impact um, to see, you know, a work, working environment and, and, and really gain the knowledge of certain things that really impacted you and how to move on is very much the crest of this book, right? Of the the tidbits of business that you can take and learn to shape what you want to do or how you want to go in that profession. Um, so it's really inspiring for me to like be here 12 years later with you. And I, you know, anyone we brought on, I really believed in, right? So if I wasn't like the direct person you're reporting to at that moment, 
I still like had read your resume, knew what you were, what you were about. Like, and we were a smaller, you know, any small business is more hands-on. So I got these touch points to really work with you, see your knowledge and like how you can rock and roll. And most of my leading is, which took me a decade <laughs> by the time you got to me was being more hands-off and letting others, you know, grow and learn and then report back. It took a long time as a manager to learn that, you know. And you were so good, I think, at, at giving that space and encouraging your team to own the things that they were like, I was owning things as an intern that I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm owning some of these things. And I remember yeah. it still. And I remember our check-ins still. And I, and I think it really molded my perspective on, we were talking about this too, right before the pod, uh, I hit record, but seeing you as a woman in business really, I think shifted and molded what that looked like for me and like what, what a person in business could be and how innovative and creative that person can be and still run a business. Um, and as I was reflecting, like leading up to this pod, I was like, that's probably one of the first instances that I really saw someone who was really strong-minded, knew what she was doing with her business. Yeah. Take charge and feel comfortable within that. And also you had an ability to pivot that even as like a 20 year old, I respected and understood and like, admired so much because that was such a hard for a 20 year old it was hard in general I mean for a 30 year old it's hard in general so I mean mean, give me your secrets because how do you you've been growing this business for decades and always changing with the tides of how the world and marketing the space is changing and growing with it in a way that just has kept the integrity of the business intact your integrity intact but also aligned with like whatever the day and age is. You know, it's, I feel like I look back and, you know, I talk about how if I had investment like really early on, would I have been um, so aware of everything going on in mm-hmm. the business? Um because, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side as it, as you think it would be. But I think from the beginning, I had to learn. I, I had the vision of what I wanted to set out for the brand. And I stuck to that vision in terms of impact and who we worked with and, and the give back portion of the brand for the past 20 years. But a lot of times there's like naysayers of that, you know, why are you doing that? Why do you have to make this to, you know, work with that person? There was a lot of noise, especially as I grew and gained partners. But to the, I guess to go back to the question is like the steps that you have to learn in growing something from scratch means you're all hands on deck, right? So in the beginning, you're learning about how do you market this brand? How do you sell? How do you raise capital? How do you produce? Um, who's the store selling your product? How are you shipping it? So it, I had to learn every aspect. And within that, I'm reading and learning about that forum that's coming on, you know, on a .com before there was a Facebook fan page. And then all of a sudden I'm at a store and someone's like, have you heard of Twitter? 
And I'm like, no, but show me that app. And then there was, you know, tweet your photo. And then there was Pinterest. And then there was Instagram. And then, you know, so because I had to learn so much hands-on, I became so interested in the future of fashion, the future of a product and how it succeeds in an ever-changing landscape. And but I always made sure that with that, I was always keeping the vision of who we were and what that meant to us and how do we, you know, it's brands look at it now as like this marketing tool. To me, it was like, this is who we are. It was yeah. marketing, but it was, I started a brand in 2001 that was right after 9-11 and my mm-hmm. first trip supposed to be the first week of 9-11 and I decided to continue to go and do that first trade show a month later because I felt I could be a brand that could give back through whatever I'm doing and I it was the only thing I could do like it was like if I can't be a doctor if I can't be a psychiatrist and you know this is not what I've studied this is how I'm going to help and and go out there so in my sort of reaction to what had happened to our world, I decided that collection would be donated to the American Red Cross from victims of 9-11 and their family. And that's how I started the brand, right? And so a lot of people ask, you you didn't have to keep continuing that. Like you started it, but maybe you would have just said, okay, that's what I did the first collection. But to me, it was so important that I would, if I was going to be in fashion, I would lead with that forever. And that whatever I'm doing in fashion or in any product we're making, that we will tell a story, that we'll share an initiative, a nonprofit, or something that's happening in our world. When you were, when you were figuring out, I guess, because I know you in the context of you actually having been my boss, um, I also know how you move behind closed doors to some extent, right? From the extent of like, you're just a kind person and you're an innovative, creative person. And that is what people see when they shop Boy Meets Girl or in, and it's when they see you in social. It's probably also what they see still behind closed doors from like your employee's point of view. And that is really hard to do in a space like fashion, in a space like social, to be the same person in all avenues. Um, and to stay like that consistency you mentioned when it comes to like still aligning yourself with nonprofits for collections or with artists who are, or activists who are sharing a mission that is greater than the collection or the, the thing at hand. How hard was that for you when it came to navigating those conversations with naysayers who were like, you don't have to do that. You can just be profitable. You can just be, you know, whatever it is. Right, right. It took a long time for, you know, as I started to grow and, and have investors in the brand and being the only woman in a boardroom um, with a CMN, um, it took a, a long time to, to they, I guess they believed in my vision, thus why investing in the brand. Um but when it came down to different activations and 
and wanting to do different nonprofit work or work with this activist, I think they were a little confused at times, like, oh, what is she doing? But I wasn't ever stopped because I was able to always have the creative control. But there were definitely times where, you know, why we, you know, someone would say, why would we be giving X percentage when we can, you know, profit that, you know, but I would always push and say, because this is what our brand stands for, right? This is what we do. And that's what we're going to go out with every product. So if we, if we look at the history of even, I don't know if you were there during my Clef show with Drina DeMarco mm-hmm. and Tab, I think that was around the yeah. same time, you know, even down that runway, we have Cassandra Banks and wearing, you know, a live out loud jacket. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're making messaging down the runway in 2011, 12, before anyone's even seen that down the runway. Um, talking about economics and, you know, taxes, <laughs> things like that, that we put down the runway. Um, so I think, you know, I was challenged by the bottom line. You're always, you know, P&L is a P&L. You've got to make money in a business, right? So, but I think more and more I opened their eyes up to seeing that, okay, she believes in this and this is, is Boy Meets Girl. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, in my book, I talk about uh, partner A, B, C, and D, including Munir, who's my current partner of the past six years. And he and I are aligned on our impact in the space and, and how we lead um, a brand. And so, you know, I was the first, just like, you know, cutting to 2017, I was the first brand discovered by this Finnish retailer, which is the biggest retailer in Finland called Prisma, to come there with an anti-bullying message because they saw the work we had done in America and said, we want an impact female-led brand to come here and they licensed the brand there. So all over a a country that you would never expect Mm -hmm. me to be (laughs) is like in in like literally like countrysides um like farmlands there were signs with f bully shirts <laughs> on models that like were billboards like i have pictures of people who are our finnish fa- like fans sending from their farms like and i was like that's amazing wow. right so it got to we came so far in uh, pushing the barrier and in and working so hard on our messaging that it, it got to this like country that, <laughs> and then we became the first brand to ever bring a pride message to a big retailer, mm-hmm. like a Target. So you know, I sort of pinched myself, but yeah, you know, the challenge, you know, of being a woman in any business is, you know, even with books, like seven percent of women in business are bestsellers, seven percent. So I was always up against like this a, a woman having a voice in the mm-hmm. in the room. And that's a really hard place to be in. Um and so a lot of that you know side of me you couldn't really see you would see I wanted to always lead with kindness and lead you know with education educating my employees and being there for them. And then I was also dealing with like 
infertility struggles in the same time you were there, like Mm -hmm. without being able to tell my partners Mm -hmm. and, you know, struggling with that, but still trying to lead and, and be there to do everything. So there's a lot of, um, it's a, it's a lot on you. And as a, we talked about this, you know, before we started taping, Mm -hmm. but as a woman in the space, learning how to balance yourself from if you want to be a mother, mm-hmm. if you are a mother, if you're, if you're, you know, doing, having a baby on your own, or if you're, if you're married and you're having challenges and also wanting to be like the biggest brand. Yeah. Right. And how do you become all those, those things, right? That was um, actually going to be my next question, right? Where I do think, I think uh, in scheduling our call, because we haven't talked in a little bit and then reflecting upon like talking to you and stuff. It really is wild. I think how impactful those few months were for me, just from the perspective of seeing how you led. Um, Because there were moments I think where it was where you shared that you were going through infertility struggles and you were open with that, with like a specific moment in time. Um, And I think that seeing that through the eyes of then you going in and just like, deciding what the looks were going to be for the show that fall, right? Yeah. Like, it was like, it was like we, do, we had th- this conversation happens now. Okay, well, yeah. we have to figure out what this is going to look like. What are the, the looks for the fall? Um, and yeah. like locking in Wyclef and like all these things happening at the same time. It was like, wow, here is a woman who is a person, right? Who is a person who is a business person, who is a human, and all the different ways she's navigating the specific season in her life. And I think that that has been consistent. It's why I think the book also really resonates because I feel like you're bringing all the parts of yourself there. So I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that experience for you of just owning every aspect of your life within the business world, but then also what you're encouraging people when you say like embracing the calm and the chaos, which I think is just like life in general. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Is uh, right here, right now, as I am seeing a fire swoop through my window. Um, yeah, you know, the book is is really here to give you an insider look of like, this is my memoir and it's a business book. So within each chapter, there's takeaways for business, right? But within those chapters, there's a story, right? So if there's a story about partnership. There's a story about intellectual property issues and why you have to protect your assets. Um, There's stories about hiring and firing. There's stories about um, setting up systems, you know, and and I, within that, there's journal entries, there's my takeaways, and then I bring in insight from other people who are, there's 30 plus entrepreneurs in there who are business leaders, actors, musicians, who are an activist, who all have been through some point of their business that we all have our own stories and how we encourage ourselves to keep moving. And to your point, my book is about embracing the common the chaos. There's always chaos. We, we, we are constantly up against something, whether that's mental health, whether that's mm-hmm. infertility, whether that's partners you're aligning yourself with, whether that's a factory gone upside down, whether that's hiring, whether that's firing, whether that's, you know, anything, you know, there is, whether you're a flower shop owner, whether you're a fashion label, whether you're, you know, starting your own podcast, whatever position you're five years into business, you're 10 years into business, you're in high school. This really is for 
anyone to understand that you can get through it. And how do you get through it? And I'm not, I'm not a uh, self-help guru, but I've had the experience. And so, and, and my way is in times of chaos, I thrive. I keep moving. I keep, I find systems. I, I find ways to, you know, check off a box here to keep me aligned and feel in control. Um, and, and then I check that off and I move on. And if, if something goes belly up, I, instead of, you know, saying, woe's me and, and this is all going to fail and I'm going to lose today and I'm going to lose my business, which a lot of times I would write in my journal, like, you know, how do I get through this? And this guy's, you know, this is not a great partner for me and I, I need to get out of this. This is bad. Mm-hmm. And this person's saying this about me. And yes, I, the journaling really helped me to keep moving because if I, if I sit in those, in that chaos, um, how there's no other, then you're just sitting. So for me, you got to keep moving. And so how do we keep moving? How do we do these things throughout business is what I'm sharing here. And, and who I brought in to talk about that as well within their stories is also really a beautiful take on, these are all people I've worked with or a friend in the business, all real authentic relationships of, of their highs and lows. Like I have a doctor that's not about me. This is about my friend Ike who, you know, went from being on a, like a great TV show to being not hired for two years. And what did he do in that time frame to keep moving for himself, one monetarily and also for his health? And, and what did he do? He decided, okay, no one's hired me. I'm going to start writing. I'm going to keep writing and I'm going to wait, wait tables here, or I'm going to get paid this way, but I'm going to pivot here to do that. And so like, similar to me, it's like, okay, um, this big department store bought my brand, but next month they didn't. How am I, how am I going to support my company and my employees? Like who, where am I going? Where's, what is my next step? Well, I can't stop because I have to pay the bills. <laughs> and so, okay. Is there 10 more stores to go after? Never like I, so I talk about in the book, never rely on one store, one factory, one money source. Like, many people in your sphere to rely on and think about those ideas or those partners well in advance so that you have that for that next step. So these are, these are the things that, um, are like, you know, my survival tips for business is that we have, we're going to, there's going to always be a hiccup. There's always going to be a mess. There's going to be a failure Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just don't think anyone who leads anything hasn't had failure. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. And you, um, again, I think like all the flashbacks are coming back to me, but I remember (laughs) you were just, I know, right. I'm going through like the memory lane here, but you would always carry your journal and you always had your journal like on your desk. And I would, it's like such a clear vision in my head of how often you were writing in it. And hearing how much of it was a tool both for growing your business and understanding like where you wanted to go next. I'm interested in hearing more about what other tools were you leaning on that either consciously or subconsciously ended up helping prop up your mental health as you were navigating so many of those things. I always walked to work during that time. Mm -hmm. I'd walk like 40 blocks to work. Um, 
I, during COVID, the only place I could walk was the park. Mm-hmm. So like I had to get out of the house and I had to walk or I had to run. Like the na- seeing trees, nature, having your own time with yourself is like my secret sauce. Like I have to even now, and I never, it didn't really have much time for like working out. I was growing something. I was trying to get pregnant when you were with me. Like he was going through all these things. I was working on a New York Fashion Week show with a big, <laughs> big star, um, shipping product, new partnerships, that, you know. So I remember I lost a lot of myself in terms of like my routine that let's say we all have in college mm-hmm. when we have the time, right? Where we run and we work out and we do this and that. But when you're running a business, you lose a lot of that. So I lost a lot of that kind of health time. And I and that like th- I feel like my eating wasn't as great. But I made sure that I journaled and I made sure I had those walks. And those walks were like, you know, just they clear your mind. You get to like think more. And sometimes on those walks you're on a phone call and sometimes on those walks you're texting. But I tried to like really look at things around me because for me, like street style was so, is mm-hmm. still like so special to me and seeing what people are wearing and and how, you know, what sneakers and like, you know, when tourists come from different places, I love looking at all the kids and like what they're wearing. I'm like, do they have a boy meets girl? <laughs> Usually a night gear and Adidas, but once in a while we see a boy meets girl. Um, but, you know, that like invigorates me, keeps me like, and also like even the subway, a lot of that time period, I love the music on the subway. So if I take the subway home, it's the musicians in the subway. So in 2015, I had a show where we brought underground dancers oh, that's from awesome. the subway above ground and they danced at an underground show we had <laughs> above ground. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the, what I love about New York City is like this melting pot of um, creativity and energy and people and ethnicities and religions and, you know, just all these things melted. So that, those walks and the subway, those kept me like really, my creative juices and my, me- my mental health really aligned in a way because I didn't have time to really talk to anyone right. about what was going on. You were carving so much of the time that you could have. And I think you were also really great at celebrating your wins and celebrating the things and the moments that did um, kind of keep you going. One of my favorite ones was, I don't, the thing's probably before my time, but seeing the Boy Meets Girl on Lorelai Gilmore is still one of my like pivotal <laughs> moments of joy. <laughs> Such joy. I'm like, that's like a world collide moment. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> As you think back to how you've created this brand and the many eras and iterations that it's had, what are some of your favorite things that have kept you going through that journey? Lorelai is a good one because, you know, that was that whatever episode that was, you might mm-hmm. know the season, the episode. I can't remember, but I'm going to make sure to like <laughs> tag it and put it in the show notes. Yeah. That was before social media. So mm-hmm. imagine like buyers at a trade show were like, we just saw this. We need to buy the brand. It was like the best marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, like it's more common that people wear clothing on a mm-hmm. thing and you see it. There's just so many vehicles. It's like, mm-hmm. you can't even like that kind of brand placement was the like, rarity oh. of that yeah yeah it's so yeah it's like an og rare rare it's yeah. like a rare <laughs> what do we call it a yeah a rareable or like nfts <laughs> or, 
um, because it's so rare. Uh, That's so funny. Um, But it really was. And then what happened was the stylist was in LA and I had a trade show in LA and she said, come on set. Come meet. Oh my God. You know, uh, uh, Lauren Grant. Lauren Graham. Lauren Graham, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's like, come meet Lauren Graham. And so I went on set. I brought my friend um, Dave Stassen on set with me. And he and we, like, got to meet Lauren. <laughs> That's so awesome. And those and are the like, moments where you're like. I was like, thank you for wearing my shirt on TV. Yeah. It's uh, Dells and Saks and everybody else by my brand. Um, yeah, so that was a really special moment. That's a, that's a, you know, iconic moment. And then there's just, like these incredible stories like which is very uh, much about chaos and like how it came to calm um I so I was discovered by in 2017 after that show I just mentioned um by the store iconic store in Paris called Colette I've been it's like the put everybody on the map like Karl Lagerfeld Mm -hmm. used to go there every week it was brought a lot of streetwear designers on the map and um, it was this amazing store that was curated with like music and little knickknacks and high-end designers and streetwear and, and sneakers and just awesome. So when they discovered me, they were like, why don't you come out to Paris and we'll do like a launch. And um, so I, there's two stories to this. There's, okay, <laughs> I, I was going to tell you the, the better one, but I just realized there were two stories to it. Um, the first one was... I went out to Paris and I went with Brian and Dylan was six months old. My son's now eight. Um, And it was this amazing, you know, like being in this iconic store, all my first, like, you know, my, the hoodies and the tees, all of what Lorelai was wearing, you know, the poor boy meets girl branding, which is, you know, very special, like sitting next to, Air Jordans, you know, so I was like, yes. Um, and that night I was in a underground um, restaurant that had no cell service. And that was the night that, of all the attacks in Paris. Mm. So I had this celebration and then no one could find us for like five hours because we were down underground at having this celebration and when we came up above, you know, to the top of the restaurant, the owner said, I think there's been an attack in Paris. Oh, wow. And we like ran to the hotel, Brian and I, and, you know, my phone had blown up because I had no service. And my mm-hmm. mom was searching for me and Brian because she was taking care of Dylan. And it was like this attack, you know, on Paris that, all of a sudden here I'm 2015 and 2001, I was in New York city for this. Mm-hmm. It, I, like, you know, from like this here, this is like, this is not even chaos of business. This is like our, you know, terrorist attacks around Paris. Right. And I remember, you know, this is, that was a moment of like, holy, like crap. Like, first of all, the first thing I also did was like see if Sarah was okay, who owned the store, with Mom Colette. And she was making sure I was okay because I was the American who came to Paris. <laughs> and so that formed this very special relationship with her and I that, you know, could have been a one hit wonder in, in her store, but it was like, oh, we're connected now. And for Brian and I, like, we, we were across from 
um, the Eiffel Tower, which was not lit. When we've been in Paris without a lit Eiffel Tower, right? Everything was dark. But the next morning, we went down to have a coffee, and there was people working, and the man put a heart in my cup, in my coffee. And I was like, okay, we keep moving. You know, times we have to keep moving. And so it was like this crazy, like, I'll just never forget. Like, and we were, I remember we were leaving to go to the airport and it was just like, you know, still everything was sort of off. And, but I went back. So what I'm getting to is there's another story, which is like about a year and a half, two years later, Sarah, I had a collaboration with Care Bears and Sarah said, come you know, Paris, we'll do the windows and mm. we'll do all these great things. And it will be a celebration of life and love because that was what the Care Bears branding was. And that mine was more self-love with Boy Meets Girl. And so we're kind of coming back. This time I took my dad, Brandon. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when we got there, th- this is my chaotic, another chaotic story, different one, but in business, the box was lost. Oh my gosh. Of, of the prod, oh, sorry, the week before the, 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 Box was lost to go for the product for it. So maybe a week and a half. So I had to produce that product with that factory like really, really fast, but they couldn't ship it. I had to put it in my bag. So <laughs> here I am flying to Paris for this like mega, it's been promoted in every magazine you can imagine. Like everyone's talking about this collaboration. The windows are like going to be like, of this iconic store and I roll in <laughs> my dad's behind me Nancy she's who's a publicist who's in my book um was flew there with us and I'm rolling and I see Colette who is Sarah's mom who owns the store her name Colette and she says Stacy and I see our windows are next to Gucci and it's like all the Gucci teams there I'm like ah. <laughs> and I was like Sarah I mean, I said, Colette, here's your clothes. Because there was two boxes there, but one was missing. Mm-hmm. She said, thank you so very much, you know, in her French accent. She opens it up, pulls it out, and starts steaming it. And I was like, she was like 75. I was like, this is from woman entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. The woman entrepreneur, nothing stops. You keep moving. Mm-hmm. You keep going. And even, like, the owner of this store is steaming my clothes. Next to the Gucci team who's looking at their window. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, this is business. This is what happens. You like, there's no one who is better than you. Like, there's no one, like, I, there was, the owner is not asking someone else to steam the good. I, I didn't ask anyone to take the box. Like, I pulled the box out, put it in my rolly bag. I brought it to her. <laughs> you know, that's what you do. And mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're scrappy and, but you, but leading with, you know, knowing that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're the president. It doesn't matter if mm-hmm. you're the the CEO. It, it just doesn't matter. It's how you t- talk to someone, how mm-hmm. you relate to someone peer to peer. And that's really been very important to me. And just seeing this leader be the same way of this iconic store that people mm-hmm. totally respected her and still do um, was just, it just made all this you know, sense for me. Like, and it, mm-hmm. it was just a beautiful, magical moment of um, entrepreneurship. 
I literally, I don't want to ask any more questions. I think that's the perfect way to end this. But I will say this one thing, which is as you were, as you were giving that answer and wrapping it up, I was thinking back to how much that seems like a value that you've just held for your whole career, your whole life, probably, which is like, it doesn't matter where you are on the hierarchical totem pole that is assumed by the rest of the world. If you have a skill and you have the ability to do the thing, you have the room to do the thing, right? And I think that I was 20 years old, 19 or 20. And I was like, I didn't, sometimes I didn't even have the skill, but we were figuring it out as I went along. (laughs) And, but I was still given the room to do that, which I think completely gave me a necessary sense of, I can do this. Like, I don't know how to do any of this, but I can do this that I carry throughout, particularly the beginnings of my career when it was just all bravado and like in the good way of just like, no, I'm going to figure this out. It'll happen. It'll happen. And I think that if anyone is listening to this conversation, I think the thing that you can take away is that for one, this is a very good read and you should pick it up. But that also wherever you are in your journey is exactly where you need to be to start and to keep going and to keep filling that space up. That's right. I completely agree. And do on to others as you want to be Mm -hmm. treated. And make room for that goodness in your life and that kindness and that give back. Where can people find you on the internet, Stacey? Where can you find me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am now, you know, from 2001 to now, I'm on everything. Um, But my at handle is S-T-A-C-Y-I-G-E-L, Stacey Eagle, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is Tumblr still there? Yeah, I think so. Um, And then at Boy Meets Girl USA for the brand. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This is great. I'm adding all of Stacey's links and social handles to our show notes. Make sure to follow her for more tips and insight into how to run a business while keeping your mental well-being in check. On our end, don't forget to rate, review, or share. Happy to be here with a friend if you can. It makes such a difference. Enjoy our midsummer hiatus.